This is Southern Tier Close-Up on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. Joining me from the Crime Victims Assistance Center is the director, Christine Battisti. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. I have not had you on before. I have had a whole parade of directors of CVAC on the program over many, a many a year. So welcome to Southern Tier Close-Up for your first foray into our little public affairs world of happiness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The reason I gave you a call is uh, we're coming quickly on to the month of April, already into it. And uh, April has always been a very busy month as far as the Crime Victims Assistance Center in Binghamton has been concerned because they've got Crime Victims Rights Week coming up, which has always been quite the big deal for for many a many a year. But also there's a Sexual Assault Awareness Month, Child Abuse Prevention Month. So kind of all the sort of things in, in CVAC's wheelhouse. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit overall about for people that maybe are not really aware of what Crime Victims Assistance Center does in our area and what services you provide and how you're interested in those particular topics. Sure. Thank you. So we are a victim assistance agency here in Broome County and serving Shenango County. We have a 24-hour crisis line that is manned 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We offer advocacy We have a child advocacy center where children are brought here when there are allegations of child sexual abuse, witness to violence, or child exploitation. We have master level counselors. We have case managers. We have legal advocacy. And we also have a staff attorney, which is fairly a new program um, that gives legal representation to victims going through civil matters. Well, Crime Victims Assistance Center started out in like in a basement of a church, very small, and it was just, it, it was amazing how, how quickly it grew to do more and more services, and unfortunately demand has not gone down whatsoever. Um, with the Child Advocacy Center, that was something that when that was launched was kind of innovative as well as providing such a, a safe I won't, don't want to say comfortable, not comfortable by any stretch of the imagination, but at least a straight, uh, safe haven for children to be able to tell very difficult stories and, and feel safe doing so. Um, how has that program expanded much over the years? And, and what are you guys seeing these days? Cause I know that there had been some talk with the start of the pandemic that instances of reports of child abuse have been fluctuating depending on, on who you talk to, uh, maybe causal from the pandemic and maybe not. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I started here 18 years ago and I worked in the child advocacy center and I would say that it has grown. It used to primarily be known for serving children that have allegations of sexual abuse, but we really tried to push the limits on that because we know that best practice is to have children that witness violence, um, serious physical abuse brought to the center as well. So there's been a push for that across our county and through CACs nationwide. So the numbers have gone up. I think maybe 10 years ago we were only averaging 150 cases per year here in Broome County, and now we're seeing over 300 consistently for the past few years. 
so we're we're not excited about that, but we're excited that they're bringing you know different types of cases here that so that we can offer support to those children and their families. The CEC also has expanded because we have a safe harbor program a few years ago. We got money from the state to launch a child sex trafficking program, which many people in our community don't think happens here. And we're seeing a huge, especially since the pandemic, the number of kids that are engaged in unhealthy behavior online has really increased. So we're really putting a lot of efforts into talking to our parents and our children. You know, the pandemic pushed everybody home. Kids are on these phones. Parents don't have control or or know what to look for. So we're really trying to do a lot of education around that. Well, that really is a big component of it. Um, I noticed, I know years and years and years ago that there, there was no talk about anything that was online, let alone with I mean, I went to a restaurant the other day and there was a, a, a baby that I overheard a, a, a grandparent or somebody or, you know, an older person asked the mother how old the child was. And they said 15, 15 months. And they had the child was sitting at the table with an iPad in front of and it's like, who, who would have thought I, yeah. that 20 years ago that, you know, that. Wow. <laughs> you know, I often say I want to put a tent up at Verizon's and put crime victims right in there. And every parent that gives their child a phone stop and see us because if they, you know, knew what was going on, it. I think it's way bigger than we realize what kids have access to on on their phones. And you put a child that doesn't have strong supports in at home and that's maybe have been a victim before or is vulnerable and they're like looking for someone to give them attention, they quickly can get caught up with someone thinking that they're their age and then we come to find out it's a much older person, uh, arrangements to be made to meet the person. A lot of stuff is going on on the phones and the internet and we're really behind. So we really need to start talking about it more and educating our parents on how they can keep them safe so we really push that through the CAC with the families that we serve in that program. One thing that blows anyone's mind is the amount of news releases that we get that are, you know, people that get caught. You kind of only forbid know how many people are out there that don't get caught. But the ones that are uh, gotten by uh, an undercover officer posing as a child's mother, uh, making arrangements for some out-of-state person to meet at a hotel in Vestal or whatever, and mm-hmm. and the things that the, the that they I mean the DA's office and the U.S. Attorney's office in the news releases out of pure decorum or whatever or protecting their cases when they're developing cases don't go into all the details but some of the details that come out about what the predator does to try to groom the child and prepare the child bringing gifts and things like that it's just. It, it blows the mind. Even in news, we don't put out all the stuff that we get in the news releases because, I, honestly, I don't think the public could handle it if they knew just how sick things are out there. No, and another another area to pay attention to is, which I didn't realize early on when I was starting to develop this program, was the online, the gaming component. You know, we've had cases in New York State all over where kids are on video games and now you have the online chat feature so you're talking to people live and these kids think that they're you know talking to one of their peers or a kid from another area and that's another that's another red flag where we need to 
teach our children when we're on the online gaming component. Wow. How concerned are you? I mean, it seems like a world away, but I know we're hearing now of concerns about the refugee situation with the invasion of Ukraine, with uh, human trafficking being uh, – it's only been a few weeks in, and already this is a concern about uh, human traffickers lying in wait for – refugees coming into other countries from Ukraine and getting them into the human sex trafficking and human trafficking um, world. How concerned is a a grassroots organization like CVAC, how concerned are you guys about stuff like this? How much trickles down into localities? I mean, we would definitely be concerned. You have... (laughs) vulnerable populations crossing the border, women and children that are fleeing their country with the clothes on their back, forced to walk across the border with nothing. Um, so they're basically... And not knowing anyone. T- yeah, no. so that's a prime target. They're, they're going to need basic needs, and a lot of people that are get involved with human trafficking, they don't have those needs being met. So that's, you know, in order to survive, that's how sometimes it can start. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I wanted to, we're past the halfway mark already, um, but also one of the things that has been a tradition in our area is uh, definitely marking Crime Victims Rights Week. And before we got all settled in and to do the show taping and you and I were scheduling, you said things are going to be looking a little bit different this year than they have over the past Oh gosh, I can't even remember when when they started doing um, the the memorial services and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be a little bit different this year. It is. We we've had some changes over the past couple of years. COVID kind of really put us in an isolated situation. The mall used to be a primary location where right. we displayed a wall. And as you know, the mall doesn't have a lot of traffic. So this year, we're very excited to be able to do an in-person event because it hasn't been done in a couple of years. And we're kind of bringing everything into one event. So that way, our elected officials, our community partners, our staff, and our families can all come together in one location and honor those that the community has lost and the survivors that have survived. Um, so we're very excited. We're also bringing the event back to Sherry Lindsay Park. So we're very excited about that. And that will be on April 26th at 6 p.m. So we're inviting everyone to come participate and honor the people that we've lost in our community due to crime. And I will say since 2019, we are adding 12 new names to that wall. For people who are not familiar with the wall, Tell tell us what it is and why is it important to remember um, even the victims of the violent crimes and, and homicides in our area from years and years gone by? Yeah, so the wall was displayed every year during Crime Victims Rights Week and families could opt to provide a picture and maybe a news article or anything that they wanted to give to us to display during that week because I think it's important to remember Just because it happened 20 years ago, it doesn't mean that it's forgotten. Those families are impacted for the rest of their lives when stuff like this happens, and we want to honor the families and their loved ones. And that location of Sherry Lindsay Park itself is significant if people are familiar with Sherry Lindsay and and the story behind that. Oh, yeah, I I can't believe, you know, I was thinking about that the other day, and 
I was, I must have been around the same age because I was just 12 years old and I feel like at that age, I lived a mile and a half from Sherry Lindsay Park and I remember wanting to be a paper girl and then that, that happened, you know, and it's just so significant. We're excited to bring it back to honor Sherry. I've been in contact with Mr. and Mrs. Lindsay. They're happy that we're bringing it back. We'll actually have um, the book that was launched. We'll be providing copies of that to people that come to the tribute. And Sherry Lindsay was a little Binghamton girl. Her father was a Binghamton police officer, and she was on a paper route, and it was a person she trusted. It was a person that showed her the paper route that uh, ended up luring her into the house and uh, doing absolutely horrible things before murdering her. And the the community, um, I, I remember the turmoil in the community with the uncertainty about um, her disappearance and then the discovery that she had been murdered. And and the reasonings behind it of whether or not it had any sort of replications to the police connection with her father and everything. It, it was just, it's, it's such a, a it, it shows that it, it can happen to anyone, I guess, was the big shocker of it with the fact that her father was a police officer and that could not keep this child safe from somebody that, uh, that, that yeah, would be it can happen to, to anyone. That. Yeah. Um, very, very moving, moving story. As are all the stories that are on the wall that, uh, as I mentioned, that it may have been years ago, um, a little child in Johnson City, Mealy Neum, that was murdered and her body found over at Bolin Park in Johnson City. And it was, I believe, her landlord that was implicated in that crime. And it, it's just, it's things that, it holds life precious, I believe, and also is a precaution for people to be aware that there there is it, there's stuff out there, and it's important to be aware of that. And of organizations like the Crime Victims Assistance Center that is there twenty four hours, twenty and seven days a week that's available to help. Yeah, it's also a week to honor our community partners and the professionals that work in this field, and the staff that work at CVAC. So we really want to just celebrate all that and just talk about the importance of collaboration and having strong partnerships with our law enforcement, our district attorney, our child protective service workers. Those are so important for victims and their outcomes. If people would like to know more information about Crime Victims Assistance Center itself, its services, opportunities to volunteer, how they can help out, events that are coming out, how do they find out more about you guys? Yeah, we're on social media, so you can go out to our Facebook page. We're on Instagram. You can check out our website. We have a whole volunteer program, so if anybody has a desire to come get trained to answer our crisis line or volunteer in other capacities, we would love that. You can also donate to the crime victims on our website through our PayPal account, and that would be helpful. All the money that we raise goes directly toward victims that are in need and provides basic needs for them in times of emergencies. And closing out, what is the Crisis 9 number if people need help? 722-4256. Thank you for being my guest. This has been the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Kathy White for the Southern Tier Close-Up.